you're ready. Thank you. I appreciate, Ron, you asking us to speak, but I came to listen to what you had to say, but I want to speak to you about the things that the Lord, I believe, had recorded down for us, and hopefully we can relate to you as well, even the purpose why he had these things written down. If you'll bear with me, I want to read out of the first chapter. And as I read each time, Ron, I see different things. Let me rephrase that. It's revealed unto me different things that has been recorded down for us. But in the first chapter <clears throat> of the book of Revelation, verse 1, says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it unto his angel, unto his servant John, who bore witness of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and all things that he saw. Blessed are they, blessed is he that readeth, readeth, and they that heareth the words of this prophecy and keepeth those things which are written in it. For the time is at hand. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from God, a peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loveth, loveth us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us a kingdom of priests unto God and his Father. <clears throat> to him be glory forever, and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also who pierced him. And all the kindreds of the earth shall well because of him, even so. Amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to, is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who am also <clears throat> your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and, and, heard, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, you write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, unto, the, unto Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, 
I saw one like the Son of Man clothed in white garment down to the foot, girded about with the breast with the golden girdle. Let me pause in the reading here and I want to read for you another verse of Scripture in order that we might make a point about the things that is recorded down for us in this book. Verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, Unto the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand and walketh in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. There could be no doubt, Nicole, that who it is that was doing the speaking was Jesus Christ. Even when John was here, he said, I turned to see the voice, who it was that was speaking with me. And I might even ask the question, why are these words down, David, for, for us to, to read and, and to see, or the evidence for us, in order that we might know the, uh, of the words? I want to point out at the outset of it, Chuck, the purpose of the words of Jesus Christ has never changed, even while he was here upon this earth. And I want to read this for you, if we may, in the, in the Gospel of John. I believe the 16th chapter. And, and read for you. And I hope as we look at these, and not only that, but even as one who may be blessed to read, those ones who may be blessed to hear, those ones who may be blessed to keep the things that is written in the book, what, uh, 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 the book of Revelation, that they are blessed to do this. But the words that we're speaking were, per, were for a particular purpose. And let me read that for you in John, the 16th chapter, starting in verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you. And let me just pause. Here it was when the Lord was upon this earth. He spoke to his disciples and he had a particular purpose in it. You look at the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew. And, and as, we, as we read those things, they were blessed to know the, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And I believe we're also blessed here as well as the words and he tells us why that he spoke these words. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. And in the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And let me point out, Rana, that, that these ones here, these words were spoken in order that they might have peace that they might be of good cheer, even as it's written for us in the words that was spoken by Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation. They were spoken in order that we might have them. I realize whenever people read or, or even refer to the book of Revelation, they refer to it as a dark book, a, a book of fear, a book of trembling. But let me point out, it's only a book of joy because these are the words that fell from the lips of Jesus Christ. And let me also t point this out, that there's going to be a result of the words that are spoken by Jesus Christ. In verse 13 of John 17, he said, And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have 
have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Not talking about our joy, but the joy of the Lord is going to be fulfilled in us. And how is it filled in us? In knowing what, as he reveals these things to us, I believe he's revealing what he has promised. We look at all the things that the Lord promised to his disciples when he was here. John the 14th chapter. And, and let me just go and read just a couple of verses of scripture here in that chapter in order that we might point out the purpose of him speaking was to cause them to have peace. Not only that, but be of good cheer. And not only that, but have his joy fulfilled in him, within them. In John the 14th chapter and verse 1, he says, Let not your heart be troubled, verse 1. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I look at that, Phoebe, as a direct promise to, this, to your speaker. He says, I'm, Gene, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. That place is going to be prepared by my hands, by my work. And I'm going to, that, that, and that place that I prepare, that's where I'm going to be. And where I am, there you're going to be as well. And I hope that all of us are brought to realize, even as we were listening to Brother John Hunt this morning speak about uh, e eternity, that we're going to be, that these things are already reserved for us and that we have, that our destination and even our citizenship is not of this world, but that of, of, of heaven. And what we read in the book of Revelation is a great deal of the, I believe, the promises. And I might point out that, that, the, that the, in verse 1, and I've probably spoken to you people many times about this, but let me just reiterate in verse 1 that it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not a hiding, but rather a revealing or a making known. And then he says in verse 1, which God gave to him. In other words, God, I believe, directed even the Son or gave him the things that, that he was to speak I believe to his servants. And I might point out, and I'm not going to spend much time on it, but Chuck, I believe there's a lot of people one they think we're going into the ministry because we volunteered. Well, let me point out that a servant of Jesus Christ is not, they don't volunteer. I believe they're drafted into the service. We read in the book of Ephesians, the third chapter, I believe verse 7, if I'm not mistaken, where Paul says, I have been made a minister of Jesus Christ. Also over in the book of Colossians, the first chapter in verse 25, he said he was made a minister in order to fulfill the word of God. In other words, he was going to complete the purpose and why he was called out. And we'll spoke about, I hope, Ron, to get to this point later on about these ones that were chosen out. 
And I was wondering, even after we were talking last Wednesday, we asked the question, why? I look at it, well, why was John chosen to write these words down? I know, I don't know. We look at the scriptures, and we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We look at Peter, James, and even Jude, and, and even the Apostle Paul. They write these things down in the scripture. Well, what happened to Nathaniel? Why wasn't he a part of that? I don't really know. The questions aren't, I haven't, it hadn't been revealed why it is. But I can point out this. It was a purpose that God has purposed. He used those means whereby, and it was according to his will and his good pleasure. And I hope that all of us are brought to, this, brought to realize this. I'm not much as far as this world is concerned. But I know that God has chosen me out to, I believe, to share the great truths about God and his, and, and his greatness. And this is what it's telling us in this book here. These things were recorded down and, re, and reveal, to reveal to his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And I might point out that these ones are getting ahead of myself, I know, because I want to point this out a little later, but let me just read this for you, that his servants, I believe, are all truly made a part of the body of Jesus Christ or placed in that body according to his pleasure and not, not by freedom of choice. Let me read for you in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and verse, 12, verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. My point this out, Dave, you're not here by accident. I don't know what goes through your mind, but I can tell you what goes through my mind. That that one who's seated on the throne, who has created all things, and for his pleasure they are and were created, he chose out this one to take in his hand, not only call him out, but place him exactly where he determined for him to be. I've been made a part of Mount Zion Baptist Church because the Lord set me there. The same with all of us who are being made a part of the body of Jesus Christ. They're made, and I believe, made servants. But he said these things are written down in order to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. I'm not going to spend much time on it. I like to spend a great deal of time on it. But God is an absolute sovereign, declared the end from the beginning. And all those things in between, Ron, he has determined those as well. Every blink of the eye, like <clears throat> the Apostle Paul made mention of in Matthew, or I'm sorry, the book of Acts, the 17th chapter and verse 28, in him we live, we move and have our being. Not only every footstep, but every blink of the eye. Keith is in control of it all. And this is what it's telling us in this, in this, to reveal to his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And as we read for you here, and let me point this out. I may have made mention of this on last Wednesday when we were here, but let me make mention of this again. There's so much conversation 
amongst some people telling us we've got to do this, we've got to do that. One of the main things that they talk about, we've got to study. I don't have any problem we got to study because I know who's in control of our study. We've got to do this. Well, let me read for you in the book of Revelation what it has to say about our study. In verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth. And let me just point this out. They don't read in order to be blessed. They are blessed to read. And they that heareth the words of this prophecy, they don't hear in order to be blessed. They are blessed to hear. And if I ask the question, when we read out of this book here, no matter where it's at, and we hear the things that is recorded in this book, no matter where it's at, what are we doing? We're studying. So my point is this, in order to even study, we have to be blessed. And that is my point. We don't do it because we're energized by our own will, our own doings, but rather it's only a result of God, God's appointment for us to be blessed to hear or to read, to hear, and not only that, but to keep those things which are written in this book. I know some people may think, well, how are we going to keep them? When you read the 15th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul was caused to write down, and they were the words really of God. He said, you'll be saved if you keep in memory. I don't know about you, Keith, but I grow older, I, can, I forget names. I know your face. I got a good way. I can, hey, how you doing? I, and your name was, and they'll say Paul. Or, I said, I know your first name, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> your last name. And then they tell me their last name, then I know who it is. But the point I'm making here is this it's not based upon our memory. And I was telling Phoebe about my medicine I was taking. It's called. Uh, Supposed to give you recall. Help. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, yeah. No, that's not it. But anyway, the point that I'm making here is this. We're blessed even to keep in memory those things which I believe God has given unto us. Let me just point these things out here. I know... But in... Later on in this particular chapter, I want to point this out, if I may, in verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that 
loved us or loveth us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. I hope that all of us are brought to realize because even, Ron, there's a great deal of controversy about we have to do love. Well, let me point out, we're going to love. There's always a result of God's work. Over in 1 John, the 4th chapter, and I believe verse 19, it says, we love him because he first loved us. He doesn't love us because we loved him. We love him because he first loved us. The love of God is always going to have a result when he places that love within us. You can read that in 1 John, the third chapter in verse 1. It says, What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Romans, the fifth chapter in verse 5 where it says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That love is directed into, I believe, the new heart that he places within us. And, and the only reason that we love, not only him, but even Ron, one another, and I realize it's a great deal of problem for you to say you love me, but I'm just joking. Uh, we have a great love for one another. Now that's for the truth's sake. And this is what is, we have this because there's always going to be an effect of God's love. And this is why that we love him. But it says in this verse here, he loved us. And that love is an everlasting love. He just doesn't love us tomorrow and, and hate us the next day. He, it's an everlasting love that he places within us. But within that love that he has placed within us, he also states this, and has washed us from our sins. Dave, I've got a question. When? When did he wash us? Is it something we have to wait on to be washed from our sins? He says he washed us, past tense, from our sins. And if he's washed us from our sins, I want to ask another question. How good of a job did he do? Well, I believe he done an excellent job. Every one of them. Even as it's recorded, even before he was even brought upon this earth to go through all the tribulations, the trials, and even the death, the burial, and resurrection, in Matthew, the first chapter, and verse 21, when he says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. How many of them? I believe a total amount of them. When he said he saved them, he means he's delivered them from that. If we're from that, let me ask another question. Can we walk in them anymore? We've been cleansed from that. We've been washed. Here's the other point I want to make in this. And I want to point this out. And we read it for you in 1 Corinthians 12 and 18. But he says here, and hath made them a kingdom of priests. Not to make. He's already made them. 
And I want to ask the question, when? Is it something we have to wait on to be made a kingdom of priests? Or is it something that has already been completed? Iran believe it's already been completed. We are a kingdom of priests. Well, where do these kingdom and these kings and priests, where do they reside? They reside in the kingdom. I was listening to a group of people speaking about the kingdom of heaven. Said it's something we have to wait on to take place. I got to thinking, well, do we have to wait on to be made a kingdom of priests? The priests are ones, Phoebe, who offers up sacrifices to God. A prophet is one who brings down prophecy from, from God to man. It's reversed with a priest. They take the offerings of men and offer them to God. When are we a kingdom of priests? I believe in this day and time. You remember Ron in Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse 18. We said, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Well, let me ask the question. If he gives us the keys and there's no kingdom here, what, what good are they? The point I'm making, Rhonda, is this. This kingdom exists now. It's here at this particular time. And that kingdom, we've been placed in there, set in there by the hand of God. Let me read this other verse of Scripture for you in, in order that we might kind of conclude uh, the, the point about we have been made a kingdom of priests as recorded for us in verse 6. Let me read for you in verse 9 of Revelation 1. I, John, who also am your brethren and companion and tribulation in the kingdom and, and patience of, of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. My question is this. Where was he? Where was John at this particular time? I might just interject this, Ron, as well. As you read the book of Revelation, we have to point out where, they're, where things are taking place. Some things took place on this earth. In chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. But then when you go to chapter 4, you're reading about a door opened up in heaven. John taken up there. Then he, visualized, then he was called to see all the things that, were, that existed up there. But here he says he was in the isle that is called Patmos. So a question comes up. I am your brother. I don't believe he's talking on the physical plane, brother, sister, and so on. Brother in Jesus Christ. And not only that, but he says companion. In other words, I'm your fellow worker, your fellow laborers in Jesus Christ. As I think we're in 1 Corinthians 3 and 9. 
were fellow laborers in, in his vineyard. But here he says, I am your brother, companion, and tribulation, and in the kingdom. How could he be a brother, a companion, and even the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ if it wasn't here? That kingdom was here, and he was a laborer in it, as well as I believe all the other ones that the Lord has chosen out, determined, and only by his sovereign power of God, they're set in this kingdom by, I believe, God the Father. This is what it's telling us in this book here. He told John, you take it and you write it in a book. I know I've spoken to you all about this before. Write it in a book. What's going to happen to this book? Men going to take it, tear it up, rewrite it. I realize they can rewrite a great deal of things, but they can't change the words of of what God has determined to write down and have recorded down. Some people say, well, this King James Version has destroyed the things that God intended. Well, then evidently someone lost the power to control the outcome of this. And I don't believe that God would would do that. Let me just point this out as well, even going back to the promises. In the book of Isaiah... chapter 55. I know it's very familiar to you, but let me just read this for you if we may. Because I believe that these words were the words of the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show unto his servants, sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John, were recorded down for us. And I, <clears throat> I believe he has absolute control. And he's going to preserve these things even for us, that we might have the evidence of the promises that he has made. In Isaiah, the 55th chapter, and verse, verse 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Think about these words that he spoke here. He said, it's not going to be void. The words that go out of my mouth, even the mouth of the Son, not going to be voided out, not going to be erased. I don't believe not going to be damaged for the understanding to his sheep that they know and understand who is the true God? You remember in John the 17th chapter. Well, let me try to quote to you verse 2 and verse 3. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, 
that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. We have these words down in order that we might know. Now, whenever Jesus Christ was offering up his prayer to his Father in John 17, that word might is not a maybe. It's stating here that they're going to know the true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. In this world, Phoebe, there's many gods. You have the God who says he stands over in a corner and he waits for man to make up his mind through freedom of choice. You've got one who waits for him to be dipped in a water hole. You've got ones who have to come to the mortar's bench before he can look into their hearts and know what's on their hearts and minds and to forgive them. Our God is the true God who's in, in control of all things. I quoted a, part, <clears throat> a portion of this in Revelation, the fourth chapter, and verse 11, where it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. As I look out over this small congregation, I look at them as every one of you are his workmanship. You are created by the hand of God. Keith, we go out in our life and we make things, do different things in order to complete something or have a purpose in it. And it's no different with God. Whenever he created something, he made it for a purpose. I don't know what that does for most, but it gives me a great deal of joy in knowing that it has a purpose for this. I realize I don't have much impact as far as this world is concerned about being intelligent. No laughs. No last back or in the back. <laughs> Has it given us a great deal of things as far as the world is concerned. <clears throat> but what he has given us, he's given us an understanding. Those things that he says that that word won't return unto him void, but it's going to accomplish whereunto he sent it. And where he sent it. He has taken those words etch them in our heart. Scripture says writes them. I use the word etch. They're written there in our hearts and in our minds. That's why my memory is not going to slip. Physically speaking, it may, but not spiritually. All of these things that are recorded for us in the book of Revelation is written for a purpose. Let me just make mention of this. We're jumping over a few verses or a few a couple of books. In verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, After this. After what? Dave, one of the things that came to my mind is these things you mean that occurred before? 
How come they occurred? There's only one answer. Because God predestinated them to occur. So if you read chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, those are the things it says after this. All those things which happened. The reason I make that point, Ron, is because when they read in the book of Revelation to the churches, they want to say, oh, these people done this wrong, this done that. It was not by accident. It was by appointment. But they were appointed there and brought to pass for us to read and to understand who's in control and who's going to bring us all the way through the things that may have occurred in these, these churches. But he says, After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the voice that I heard was as it was a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up here, and I will show you things which must be here after. He didn't think things that must surely come to pass be hereafter. In other words, from this point on. And that's what he's stating in this particular book here. It gives us a picture of, I believe, what's going to occur, I believe, with every one of his sheep. One of these days, when he said he heard a voice as it was a trumpet, my ear is inclined to listening for that sound. A distinct, a distinct sound. Not only that, but I'm going to hear the voice of him that made me what I am. Come up here. As recorded for us in First, First Timothy 4 and 13 through 18, I believe, or through 20. That in a, we're going to be caught up to be with him and meet him in the air, in the clouds. But all of it's according to his program and I'm looking for that day, not only that, but also listening for the sound of that trumpet in order that I might join that one where he said, where I am, there you may be also. So, Brother Ron. 